0: strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now here's your host Dr Jo North. Hello how are you doing? I'm really looking forward to the show. We're going to be
1: talking about how to facilitate a problem solving workshop. So you'll get a guide to creative problem solving, what it is and a brief history. I'm going to share how creative problem solving works and give you a step-by-step guide to show how you can Run your own workshop to solve challenging opportunities and problems in your own role and with your team through fresh approaches. Now, don't be put off by the word creative. Creative just really means thinking differently, you know, having a fresh go at it and not seeing things the way that you've always seen them to try and get some new answers and some new ideas that you can use going forward. And I think it's really good. I mean, Einstein's got a couple of really great quotes and I'm going to paraphrase Einstein here. So apologies Einstein, but we can't solve a complex problem with the same thinking that we use to create it in the first place. So creative problem solving is, is consistent with that. And he also said words along the lines of if he was going to solve a problem and a big problem, he'd spend most of his time thinking about understanding the problem in the first place. So we're going to talk about that. How can you stop, understand the problem in the first place so that the ideas that you have on how to solve it will be even better going forward and even more useful to you and your business. We will get going and start off then with what is creative problem solving. Well, sometimes this is abbreviated to CPS and all it is, is a step-by-step process designed to spark creative thinking and innovative solutions for purposeful change. And it's been around since the 1950s. I've written an article about this on the history of creative problem solving that you can find on the Big Bang Partnership website if you are super interested. But essentially, the whole sort of ethos around creative problem solving was started by a guy called Osborne who led an advertising agency and he wanted to find processes to help make people more creative And that's when the creative problem solving process was born. He connected with a guy called Pons and they they worked together. And the wonderful thing about that story is they also created problem solving approaches for schools as well. So it was rolled out in schools and, and that's going back a few decades now. But actually that creative problem solving process, that original one, is at the heart of design thinking and innovation sprints. we use today you might hear me use creative problem solving workshop and sprint and so on interchangeably as i go through the show but the, the root of all of these different approaches and techniques comes from the creative problem-solving methodology all the way back then. And what they've done is really repackage those and and reuse them. So it's a process that you can work through. And isn't that interesting that creativity can be a process? And it's because creative problem-solving needs us to think with our whole brain. We need to be imaginative and expansive and creative. But then we also need to be analytical, logical and use our critical evaluation mindsets to approach those potential solutions and see which ones of those might work best for us and so on. What is creative problem solving then? If we just break it down very simply, creative, in this context, creative means the production of new and useful ideas or options. Problem is a gap between what you have and what you want. So I love that definition of a problem, a gap between what you have and what you want. And solving is taking action, finding ways for filling that gap. And the process is what steps are you going to take to work through it? So very simple. And there are all sorts of creative problems that I imagine that you're solving in your business all the time. We do this all the time. Sometimes we have problems that are more challenging than others. And that's when we need to sort of workshop them and think them through and get lots of different people's experiences, ideas and input into solving the problem as well. Examples of some of the creative problems you might be solving are shaping a strategy, developing new product or service. could be a new marketing campaign. You might want to pivot the business. It could be that you want to bring diverse stakeholders internally or externally together to work something out and create a shared plan. You could use this for work-winning solutions for bid and tender proposals to win new work perhaps a more sustainable business model, eco-innovation solutions, social community innovation, all of these things and many, many, many more. So I've used these principles with people all around the world, literally working with thousands of people to come together and work through these processes to harness and leverage the collective wisdom, creativity and connection of, of everybody participating. Now, there are different types of problem We don't use creative problem solving workshops where it's a really straightforward, obvious solution. We use them usually where we've got a messy problem in the business or a wicked problem. So, a messy problem is where we've got lots of different component parts to the problem. You know, you you break it down, but actually it's a series of or a cluster of lots of, of other problems. To give you an example of that, if we were going to talk about youth employment or Climate change, you know, that they are messy problems because there are so many different components. So what we have to do is do the Descartes thing of breaking the problem down into as many of its component parts as we possibly can and then tackle each of those and put it all back together again. A wicked problem is where it's really unclear, it's a bit of a shape shifter. So wicked problems are problems that keep changing and evolving, the goalposts keep moving. I think of things like vaccines for viruses like flu or COVID as being a little bit like that in a way, because as the vaccines change and our immunity changes, so the viruses adapt. So we're constantly looking for new vaccines, new approaches to the vaccine to address those different strains, and so on. We're using this creative problem solving methodology where we've got messy problems, lots of different bits to them, we need to break them down, work on them, put them back together again, or when the problem is quite complex and shifting and, and unclear and we need to make sense of it. Because with these problems, it's no good waiting and thinking, well, you know, it's just too difficult. It's going to be on the too difficult pile. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll get easier. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. So we have to face into it and work out, not necessarily a perfect solution, there doesn't have to be a perfect solution out there, right? But a solution that's going to work best for us, pragmatically for us in the business environment that we're in. So in order to do all of this stuff and to facilitate it, you'll need to be open to new things. So coming in with the right mindset, stretching thinking, Getting comfortable with having ideas that might seem a bit out there and a bit different, a bit risky. Tolerance for ambiguity because when you're in a problem-solving workshop, things could go in all sorts of different directions and it's about giving them a go without closing things down too easily. And also a tolerance for complexity because the types of problem you'll be working on, you might have loads of information, that you might have things that seem contradictory or competing views and competing perspectives. So it's really about... Being prepared for that and being in the right mindset for it so that you can work through all that complexity and do a lot of sense making and help other people in the room with you, virtual or physical, on that sense making journey as well. So here's your creative problem solving workshop journey. As always, we start with a welcome and a warm up, even if people know each other, get people's heads into the room and the mind on the item in question. Then we're going to talk about a bullseye session, which is about really understanding the problem. Then into ideation, having ideas about how to solve the problem, taking the best ideas and developing them is in the idea development part. And then you'll do an action plan, review, next steps, and closed. So in this show, I'm going to focus on the bullseye session, the ideation part, and the idea development session within the overall agenda and I think you can do this in probably two to three hours, maybe half a day if you work through at pace and you're really well organised and you plan what you're going to do. The first thing we need to do with a creative problem solving workshop is to be really clear on what's the mission, what's the purpose, why are you here, what is the problem that you want to solve and where do you want to 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 be what do you want to get out of it so create a workshop mission you might do this in advance and then share it with your participants and ask them to shape it further and develop it and challenge it or you might want to do it in the actual workshop itself it really depends how much time you've got and how clear you are or how clear you think you are about the challenge at hand before you go in. Your workshop mission will give everybody clarity and we want a laser-like focus on this is what we're aiming for. This is the mission of this session. This is what we want to achieve. And it's great if it could be a question or a statement that you want to address to get better, more relevant ideas and solutions to solve the problem. So really think about the wording of the workshop mission. And I've done a whole separate video and episode on this as well as an article on this which is about problem statements and challenge statements so you can find that on the youtube channel if you want to watch the video and you can find the article on the blog on the big bang partnership website so i'm going to give you the headlines but there's lots more in those resources all free for you to go and use so four ingredients of a great mission firstly it needs to be people focused So think about the people who are involved in the situation rather than only being focused on the tech, the economic goals or the product specifications or whatever. Sometimes I see missions and they they just haven't got any people element to them at all. And that's not really engaging and it doesn't generate ownership. And of course, people are integral in problems and solutions for those problems as well. Secondly, it needs to have scope for creativity. So if your mission is too tight and too narrow, then... There's not going to be a lot of place and space for people to explore outside of that. So make sure it's got enough scope for different ideas, approaches and solutions to come forward. At the same time, it needs to have specific and relevant focus so that it's bounded enough that people know what it is they're working on. Because if it's too broad, then people are going to lack direction and they're going to bounce around talking about things and exploring things that aren't necessarily going to be helpful. And fourthly, make it positive. So make it about what you do want to achieve rather than what you don't. Okay, so you're going to spend some time, first of all, I hope, if you take these tips on board, preparing your data and information for the workshop. And you might want to get together with some colleagues to do this. But think about having established an outline of what you think your workshop mission might be think about what data and information you need to understand the problem, right? So this is all about what do you need to understand the problem? What do you need? Why do you need it? Who's got that information? So the information might exist in a presentation that's been previously done, or on the internet, or in a spreadsheet somewhere, or in somebody's head, or in somebody's experience. So think about data in its broadest sense, right? So What do you need? Why do you need it? Who will give it to you or who can you get it from? And where does it sit? And think about how you're going to use that. So, are you going to get a lot of information together and share it in advance of the session so that people can do some pre work and come prepared to think about it? Are you going to get people along to come and share and present some of that information so that everybody's starting off from the same point? So, it's really important. That your participants in your workshop have the information they need to come up with useful ideas and solutions to solve the problem. So now we're into the workshop itself. Step one is the bullseye session. So after you've done your welcome and warm-up, you really now need to get people targeted and, and focused on that problem or challenge mission that you've created. You're also in this session sharing a knowledge base, so you're making sure that everybody has got the knowledge that they need. You're starting to get people collaborating around the room and developing a deeper understanding of the why, the opportunities, the constraints, you know, the the different dimensions of the current challenge. And you can do this through data, experts and research based on the work that you've just done. And I'm going to share a number of tools that you can use, like lightning talks, experts, user or customer interviews to help you with this bullseye session. One option that you can use, and I really like this, is lightning talks, as long as people are properly briefed. These are really super fast presentation style delivery of content. So you could get different stakeholders, customers, experts talking about their view on the problem or giving you some technical input into the problem that you're working on. But they need to do it in a really focused way. 10 to 15 minutes, absolute max. We're not talking about lengthy presentations here, slide after slide after slide, right? So really, really nice and pacey with a clear, focused message that's been well considered. For a good lightning talk, you need to brief the lightning speakers in advance and make sure they're really clear because it's different from a standard presentation in that it's more concise and it's a bit pacier. It's much more focused. Sometimes I'll ask a few people to give a short lightning talk of five to 10 minutes each to give different perspectives or to share different areas of expertise. Expert interviews is a nice alternative or a nice complement to use with your lightning talks to share information and get people up to speed and knowledgeable about the problem. These rely on stories and experiences. And sometimes you might want to have a panel, maybe, of of experts or key stakeholders or customers or a mix of those, or you might want to do it on a one-on-one basis. But the goal of this is for the people listening, the participants, to gain insights from the expert's perspective. Now, while they're doing this, I like people to listen actively, so not just sitting and passively listening, because they'll be having all sorts of of ideas and, and thoughts, some of which might be really helpful. So I ask them to write those down and use sticky notes using the how might we method to capture those as they're listening to the lightning talks or expert interviews. I'll come on to that now. How might we is an innovation question where you're getting people to think about the possibility. So, how means that the answer might be out there, right? So, it gets them thinking that this is possible. Might is okay, that answer might not work. There might not be a solution along this, that there could be or there might not be, and it doesn't matter, yeah? So, it gives people space. They don't have to be correct, if that makes sense. And the we is all about teamwork and collaboration, it reminds people that everybody's in this together. So when an expert is speaking or they're listening to a lightning talk, I get them to write questions that pop up framed as how might we, and then finish that phrase and get each of those how might we questions onto individual sticky notes so that they can be used and developed further down the sprint. But essentially they're just listening, they're using how might we on a sticky note and then having a selection of those. And once they've got those, you can then Do affinity mapping and voting. And affinity mapping, all that is, is a posh way of saying clustering or playing snap, putting similar how might we questions together into groups and looking at what people have got and then deciding which are the most important questions. That's where the voting comes in. You can use sticky dots or people putting just blobs with pens on things. So sort the sticky notes out, play snap into the how might we question categories and then vote on the most important questions that you want to answer and work on in the creative problem solving workshop. Another thing that you can add in or use as a complement or instead of is rose, thorn, bud and that's an activity for identifying things as positive, negative or having potential. And use three different coloured sticky notes, either virtually or physical sticky notes for this. For example, pink could be the rose, things that are positive. Blue could be things that are negative, the thorn. And bud is green, things that have potential. So rose is the metaphor for things that are positive. Thorn is for things that are negative. And bud is for things that have potential. And essentially what you're asking people to do is to generate data points, things that things that they know or believe they know assumptions they're making about the problem that you're working on and put the positive ones on pink negative the negative ones on blue and the potential ones on green and then you can see what sort of data points you've got and start to work with those as a group as well if you want to have another look at the mission for the workshop your problem or challenge statement abstraction laddering is a really nice technique to use because it really gets you to stretch and gets gets participants to stretch their thinking around the mission. Draw a ladder. And this is an example I found. So I'm not going to take credit for this example. It's one that I found, but it wasn't um, attributed to, to anyone. So you've got the your initial problem, your mission um, in the middle of your ladder. And in one direction, you ask people to think why, you know, is this the problem and then how in the other direction. So for a problem, which is how might we design a better electric car, the why going in the upwards direction is to help people access a more efficient way to get around or to increase sales of our line of vehicles. And then the the how might we questions might be, how might we increase sales of our line of vehicles? How might we help people access a more efficient way to get around? So that's going in the why direction. In the how direction, we've got how by making our batteries last longer or how by making our electric car the easiest to drive. So hopefully you can see that by stretching your mission statement for your problem solving workshop, You're actually getting some different questions coming out and they're really valuable things to potentially to tackle and and find solutions for in the upcoming ideation part of your creative problem solving agenda. So this is really nice. And I think it's a great way of getting people's minds working. It's a bit of a brain expander. I do like using brain expanders in sessions. Finally, another option for you. Remember I said I'm giving you a whole toolkit of different options that you can choose from so that you've always got different versions of things. You're not doing the same old thing over and over for every business problem or challenge that you've got. You've got different approaches so you can be disruptive with people in a good, creative and positive way. Is to pick a target. This is really about just creating a visual map of everything that's in the expert interviews or lightning talks, in the how might we questions, in all the activities we've talked about earlier, just create a visual map of them and then agree as a team, which ones or what one you think is the target that's gonna be the focal point moving forward. So this is quite a nice thing to do to bring everything together. You don't have to do all of these, right? These are just ideas so that you can put them together in a modular fashion in different ways. The one thing I think is really important to do is sit down and think about what data and information and expertise and technical input and background information you need before you start. Always do that um, and then you can play around with, with how you run your bullseye session. So that's the first bit of the agenda. And the next bit in your toolkit is for the ideation stage. Ideation, of course, simply means coming up with ideas and in creative problem solving, we separate having ideas from evaluating those ideas, because if we are trying to evaluate ideas as we have them, then we get in our own way and we're using different bits of the brain and it's just not great. You know, it it shuts the, the thinking down. So let's have loads of ideas and then when we've had loads of ideas that's the time to stop and do the evaluation. And we'll do more of that in stage three, which is idea development. Okay, on with ideation. The purpose of this is to generate ideas and potential solutions. We're going to talk about doing things like sketching and other idea generation activities. One thing that you could start with, some of these are also used in innovation sprint processes, but you could ask delegates to think about a comparable problem. So where has a similar problem been tackled elsewhere and unsolved? And how can you transfer some of the learning from how that was solved into the problem that you're trying to solve. I've mentioned this example before, but I heard at a a wonderful maritime event I was involved with, I heard Steve Radar speak, who's got his own consultancy and also works in collaborative innovation at NASA. And he talked about the example of a potato crisp and how the excess oil in the production process is shaken off through vibration, but that was causing damage to the potato chips or crisps. So a call was put out to see how could, did anybody know how to get the excess oil off a delicate item like a potato crisp without damaging it? And the solution actually came from a musician And it was about using sound waves. So the the person who made the suggestion of using sound was a violinist and and understood all about acoustics and sound waves and, and sound technology. And that was a really viable solution, right? So usually someone somewhere has solved a similar sort of problem to the one we're working on. It might not be identical, but we can learn from what they've done. So look for things in other industries, other fields that you can transfer that across so get people doing that talking about that this is one rare exception where i do like people to use laptops or newspaper i often ask them to use newspapers but laptops and so on so they can do research and then for them to get their ideas together through a process called boot up note taking so just really getting their ideas warming up thinking about what they've researched and so on before you get them going on crazy eights so Crazy8s, a core innovation sprint method, all that people need is a sheet of A4 paper and I ask for this when people are working virtually as well. I really like people to use a pen of paper sometimes and go old school, go a bit analogue, fold the paper, Um, so that eight boxes and spend a minute in each of the boxes sketching a different idea or a different idea evolution to solve the problem working individually. So we all work on our own together. When I run this, I get everybody working for a minute on a, on a certain box on the page, and then when the minutes up, I ask people to move to the next one and the next one, the next one, the next one, and so on until all of the eight boxes have been completed. And of course, it gets harder for some people, you know, if they've got five or six, they're doing okay, but seven or eight feels a bit of a squeeze, although other people find that they're just getting going, you know, they're warming up at seven or eight. So it's a really fun thing to do. And it's a way of getting at least eight ideas per person in your creative problem-solving workshop. And then I ask them to create a solution sketch, so to take the best ideas from the crazy eights they can work individually in pairs in small groups and talk about the best ideas and then collaborate to create a single number of solution sketches together so this is about taking the ideas they're most interested in creating a sketch showing how it would work adding in notes and really aiming to create something which stands alone and is self explanatory so if somebody could pick up the solution sketch have a look at it Look at the drawing, look at the the notes that go with it and understand what the solution is all about and what it's proposing. So let's just run through that again. You've looked at comparable problems that have been solved elsewhere that are similar to yours and got some ideas from that. And people have, have thought about that in their boot up note taking. Then you've run the let's all work on our own together with the crazy eights, eight times one minute, one idea box per minute. And then taking the best of those ideas in small groups and combining them into solution sketches, a solution sketch or two per group. So that's really nice self-explanatory summary with drawing and writing. Now, the drawing, I know some people, you could say some people don't like drawing, but it's really good for getting the brain going. We're doing explanatory drawing, and it's not about being great at art. It's about communicating an idea. It's about communicating a concept. So it could be a flowchart or a storyboard, whatever you think works. But drawing with a pen and paper does get people's brains thinking differently. And if you've got groups working virtually, of course, they can do that on the whiteboard as well, on the virtual whiteboard. And then it's about sharing all of those and picking the ones that seem to have the most promise and the most potential to solve that mission, that workshop mission that you created and shared and evolved at the beginning of the session. You could forget all of that, all of that process from the comparable problems all the way through to solution sketches and voting. And just ask people to do a simple mind map of ideas that they've got for solving the problem so this is another nice alternative you put your problem statement your mission in the middle and then ask people to think really expansively as many ideas as they can around that in terms of how to solve that a nice more structured version actually of a mind map is the lotus blossom technique it's got lots of boxes that you open out and out and out it's very simple but really effective and It works in the same way as a mind map, only, as I say, with a bit more structure. So if you're interested in looking at that, on the YouTube channel, there is a video all about how to use, what is the Lotus Blossom technique and how to use it. It doesn't take long to watch. And again, there's an article on the Lotus Blossom on the Big Bang Partnership website under blog. You can just search for it. Just put Lotus Blossom in the search within the blog and it will come up for you. You could use something like five whys. Getting people to explore why there is a problem in the first place, what's causing it, you know, asking why over and over and over to get to the root cause and start thinking about how to address some of those root causes with different ideas as well. You could think about what's helping with the problem and what's hindering and how you can proactively use the things that help and how you can get round or blast through or overcome the things that are hindering as well. Okay. now step two is how can you proactively use those things that are going to help write that down? And how can you overcome or get around the things that are hindering you and ask them to do that? So you've got all of these loads and loads of ideas at this stage. If people are having ideas, then please do get them to write them down and say them. And again, we're not critiquing yet. We're just getting all the ideas down. Scamper is a nice one for the right situation as well for the right type of problem. So, Scamper is an acronym, it's an innovation classic as a tool. And you essentially use each of these words that form the Scamper acronym to think about how you can use them to to generate other ideas. So, Scamper stands for substitute, combine, adapt, modify, put to other uses, eliminate, and reverse. So what if we were to substitute something else for this? What if we were to combine, we could put this and this together? What if we adapted it a bit? What if we modified it? What if we did this with it instead, as input to other uses? What if we eliminated these things entirely? What if we reversed it and did it the other way around? It's a great activity for getting people to think about the shape of it and how they might tackle something in different ways. I find this is great for product development, tech development, engineering solutions, whether something tangible that you're working on. You could do loves and bugs, ask people what they love about the way things are operating now and what bugs them and what they could do to make the most of the loves and what they could do to overcome the bugs. So this is a nice alternative to help and hinder. Loads of ideation activities there in the toolkit. Finally we're on to the third stage which is idea development. We've had lots of ideas, now we need to select the best of those and develop them into workable solutions. So this is about prioritization, it's about testing those ideas and bulletproofing them as well. So if you've got loads of ideas, a really quick way to sort them out, super simple impact effort matrix. So you've got effort on the bottom axis. So if you imagine two axes and impact on the vertical axis from low to high. So things that fall into high effort, high impact are major projects. Things that are low effort and high impact are nice quick wins. So we would like quick wins and major projects, but the fill-ins, the things that are low effort and low impact, yeah, they're, they're just a distraction. We don't really want to be spending time on those. And thankless tasks, even less so, they're the things that are high effort and have a low impact. So you get your delegates to sort them out and put their ideas and then that they can drive out where they see the priorities and focus on working on those so sorting those ideas out is key and then for those ideas it's a really good thing to get people to think about well, what's the minimum viable proposition if if we were going to actually do these ideas for real right what's the minimum workable solution that we would need What an MVP is, it's about getting an idea off the ground really quickly, effectively and efficiently so that you can get it out there, test it and learn from it. Think about what your solution must have if it's to solve the problem that you've come into the workshop to do. Think about what would be nice to have and what it must avoid. And then what this helps you do is it, it helps you to avoid scope creep right? So it keeps it nice and focused so you can get the solution moving really quickly as a team. The other thing that is really important for strengthening solutions is making sure that the assumptions that people have and the beliefs that they've got about whether or not it will work are based on good stuff or or not. So assumption surfacing means Getting the most promising idea and listing all the reasons why they think it's the best choice so that those reasons can then be tested. It could be demand, deliverability, the financials and other. You might have some categories that you share with them and ask them to give as many reasons as possible why they think this is the best solution. So that the next step is then to ask them to write counter assumptions against all of those. So they're thinking about all the reasons that something is going to, you know, why something is going to be the best idea. And then they're challenging themselves on whether or not those reasons still stack up. And it's just a great one to do. If you are about to present a business case or a business plan or something like that, and, and, you know, you're making a strong case for something, think about all the assumptions you're making and then think about all the counter assumptions so that you can just really test those and also be prepared for any questions and different perspectives that other people might have. And then you can design trials. So having identified all of those assumptions and done the counter assumptions, decide which one's most important. Think how you're going to test them, what actions you're going to put in place. Is there any investment that's going to be needed and how long you think it's going to take when, when the target completion date is. So you've asked the participants then to identify assumptions and counter assumptions and then test the assumptions the most important ones so that you can really work through the solution and you'll get knowledge and you'll learn how viable the solution is and how well it's going to solve the problem that you started off with in the mission for your workshop Well, there's loads there. Um, I hope that was okay. I know there was a lot, but I do like to give you different versions so that you're not just stuck doing the same old thing over and over again. But if you follow that process and you use the different elements and the bullseye sessions, the ideation and the idea development and put them together, then you will get, I think, and based on the evidence that I've seen over many, many years and thousands of people, you will get better, more useful solutions to the business problems and opportunities that you're working on. There's more free stuff over at bigbangpartnership.co.uk slash resources. And I'll see you next time.
0: Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Jo North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.